DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Ute Conference Football. The Ute Conference is introducing flag football in the fall for boys and girls from ages 5 to 7. Learn to play and love the game. Have a great experience. Play flag football and sign up today at UteConferenceFootball.org. DJ and PK, it is time right now to talk a little basketball with our insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Boy, are we glad we have you on. <laughs> good morning, good morning to you. Lots of things going on in that NBA, huh? Yeah, so uh, Friday, my wife and daughter saw this movie, and they really wanted me to see it. So we're watching this movie, and I click it off, and I take out my phone, and I got a text from a friend of mine who's a huge basketball fan, and it says, now. The text literally just come in. It said, Wow! And I'm like, that's going to be about the NBA. That's why he would be texting me at this hour. And I click on Twitter, and I see the, the first national guys, the Woj, and you know the guys who have to compete with him. And they've all tweeted in like the last two minutes. It's all going down. And I see Paul George, and I think, I can't wait to ask Steve Cleveland about this on Monday. Did you see it coming? Did you, <laughs> I, I suspect you didn't know it, but did you suspect it? Did you have any hint? that he would want out, no. or did he want to be there right up until the minute that Kawhi Leonard said, get yourself traded to L.A., I'll meet you in the Clipper locker room? You know what, I'm, I'm looking forward to having that conversation with him. It probably won't be till the fall, I'll get down there and go watch a practice or something. And I'm not sure he'll play till October anyway or November. I'm not sure how his shoulders are doing, but you know what, I, I had no idea. I mean, uh, we all speculated what, you know, Kawhi was going to try to do, and, and I don't think any of us felt like he was going to take a partner and a friend. And, but everything that I've read and people I've talked to, you know, uh, it, it was kind of a marriage made in heaven. I, I think, you know, did we not all believe and feel like Paul would be a Clipper or a Laker two years ago? I mean, I, I was more, I was as shocked. Well, I mean, I was probably more shocked about this because there'd been so much time and, and, and so much publicity about Kawhi and everything going on. So I would say that I was more surprised by this, but I was equally as surprised when he stayed in OKC and didn't go to L.A., knowing family, uh, longtime Laker fan, longtime Kobe fan. So both of them kind of surprised me. Um, I'm excited. I mean, you know, hey, I'm three and a half hours away, <laughs> and uh, there are a lot of connections in the Clippers to, to Fresno in terms of a couple of assistant coaches, Larry Abnick, young man I coached at Fresno City College, went on to play Fresno State, now Paul. So maybe I can get a ticket. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so you look at this move here, and in Indiana, George was the guy. Then he goes to the two years in Oklahoma City, and he put together this very last season, probably the best season of his career. I think he finished third in the MVP voting uh, but they go out in the first round, and now he's going to go, and expectations are just going to be bigger than they've ever been because this is this is he's been involved in a couple of moves and going from Indiana to Oklahoma City and then re-signing with Oklahoma City. Both of those things were big news, but I think this one trumps it. Now he'll be with a co-superstar. How do you think he's going to be able to play with a Kawhi Leonard? Uh, you know, they get along well. You know, you guys are probably aware of this. I mean, they were kind of somewhat peers coming out of high school. And, I mean, you know, coming out to the league, excuse me. Uh, but they knew each other, uh, having been from both from California and Paul from Palmdale down at Knight High School and, and Kawhi and, 
in Southern California as well. So there's a relationship, but not, nothing one that would uh, indicate that this, this would be happening. But I think Paul would be great. Uh, I think defensively between, you know, Kawhi and Paul and Patrick Beverly, defensively, they're, they're as good as anything. Well, they are. That would be the best guard defensively, guards defensively in the NBA. But I, I think he's going to be great. I think that he'll embrace this. I, I think, especially after last year coming out and really having an outstanding year, and uh, you know, obviously he was playing hurt a little bit in the playoffs. But uh, he and Kawhi have uh, similar personalities. They're not. Uh, really flamboyant they they kind of play within themselves they're very competitive and uh, i could see them being best friends throughout this whole process and obviously Kawhi leonard must have felt a kinship to paul already and i know that he had contacted kd and uh, and and that obviously wasn't going to work because kd already kind of had his own plans for brooklyn but i i, I love the combination uh it's they're going to be really good you know i mean I think there's a question mark inside in terms of, you know, what they're going to do defensively and offensively, but great guards, great depth, wonderful bench with Lou Williams coming off the bench. So it's, it's exciting to see what they're going to be able to do. I will, we'll have a chance at some point in time to kind of go through the West and the East in coming days or weeks, but uh, wow, it's going to be really competitive. I mean, the parity right now in the league is unlike any other time. And, uh, and obviously a lot of great things happening with the Jazz. So it's going to be fun to watch. Every game is going to be like a playoff game. Steve Cleveland, former BYU basketball coach, joining us, also the former Fresno State coach. And, you know, as you watch your ex-player get traded here for a boatload of draft picks, I wonder how much those draft picks are worth, though, because there's no way people would have watched a Fresno State-San Diego State basketball game a decade ago and thought, those two, they'll have the whole NBA talk in one Friday night a decade from now. And if you can't identify guys in the, in the draft with any surety, and we can see all kinds of guys sliding in the draft to turn out to be really good players, do you think Oklahoma City really got fair value for him, or do they just get the best value they can? You know, I, I think they, they got – the thing about draft picks is, is – we look how the usage of draft picks and how two or three or four draft picks can get you an experienced, you know, mid-level player or a guy that's maybe an all-NBA guy. I mean, draft picks seem to be – we're exchanging a lot of times, not even waiting for the draft picks to develop, but more who can we get with those draft picks with the potential of what they could possibly become. And And so I kind of agree with you that, You just don't know. You just don't know. And here you've got uh, something you can see and feel and touch and go, okay, this is an entity that can win games right now. And it's wonderful. I I guess it's it's, it's great for the public. It's great for the fan base. Hey, we've got these draft picks, and this is where we're going. I mean, kind of like Boston. Everybody kind of was tantalized by all these draft picks, and and yet they're kind of stuck right now. And I I do believe Boston will be better next year with – Kimber Walker, and, and I think they'll have better culture and in a better uh, locker room. But at the end of the day, um, those draft picks are only as good as when they're developed. And sometimes that can take two, three, four, or five years, and people want to win now. And I think that uh, is, is what's happened here. And, I mean, 
the Clippers have lots of money. They got an owner that, you know, is one of the wealthiest people in the world. And I, I don't think losing the draft picks is really that big a deal for them. So you look at both these guys, you just referenced it, how one's from San Diego State and the other's from Fresno, so they're not basketball factories in terms of even in their own area, you know, with UCLA and SC, Stanford and whatnot. And I'm wondering here, do you see any similarities and maybe they use that as motivation and now they go to the Clippers, not the Lakers, but the Clippers, and the Clippers have always been the second-class citizen in that community. Is that part of who they are in terms of, Hey, you look at where they've been, and they've never really been in a big market. Now they finally get in a big market, but yet they're not the top dog in terms of the team that gets all the attention. No, I think I think that's a, that's a really solid point. I think that uh, both Paul and Kawhi uh, came from programs. You know, I mean, obviously Kawhi, when he was at San Diego State, they were really good. Paul was in a situation completely different where he had all sorts of issues and challenges with the NC2A. He comes in there as a rebuild. But I think they both have always had something to prove. And, and, and even, you know, I don't think San Antonio is a small market when they won five or six NBA championships. But it is kind of a, you know, it's not L.A., it's not New York, it's not Miami. And uh, both of them, you know, places you could go, be a little bit under the radar, not have to deal with all the public life. Both of them have had that experience. Going into L.A. now, it'll be a little bit different. But they're a lot more mature now to handle it and deal with it. And uh, I think for both of them, it's going home. And you can say what you want, but there, there is a, a certain sentiment and a feeling when you go back home. And I think that together, um, that'll be a bond that will help them. And there'll be no agendas. You know, Kawhi was so amazing in Toronto. But, you know, just even his body of work with San Antonio up until that last year when he was hurt, he's a guy that doesn't, is not seeking a lot of attention. You know, Paul, Paul's a little bit, I think, more savvy in terms of social media and doing things and being involved in the community than and Kawhi's been. But I think together, um, they'll probably redefine themselves in L.A. there in terms of the impact they'll have on the community. Do you think they'll be win big? Do you think they should be picked number one in the West? Because there's not, there's not consensus, but it looks like the, you know, the – they, they're getting more votes than anybody else, even though it's not overwhelming. You know, I, I, I was thinking about that this morning and, uh, and started thinking about the West. And, uh, you know, in, in my gut, I still believe that right now the, 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 the Lakers have the potential to, to win this thing, to win the West. And, and I just think that between LeBron, AD, Kuzma, now getting Danny Green, I, I know there's a weak spot in the point guard, and I don't know that Rondo can play 70-some games. But Cook and McGee are guys that could become, you know, be, good, be good bench guys. But I just got a gut feeling that LeBron's going to come out and have the best year he's ever had. And I, I think he and AD are going to be really focused. Obviously, the Clippers have more depth, and they're probably better defensively. But if I were to rank the teams right now, I'd probably go with the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Jazz is my top three teams. And, and then you've got Houston and Denver and, and probably Golden State and Portland. And so right now in my gut, I still feel like that the, I think LeBron more than anybody has something to prove and that, that he and AD. And I know defensively there's some liabilities there, but Kuzma's had a lot of success there. And I think he's going to have a great deal of confidence. And I, I just feel like right now the experience factor uh, – 
with, with LeBron. I'm, I'm leaning that way. We'll see what happens. I may change my mind in November or December, but I kind of look at it as Lakers, Clippers, and I think the Jazz have made a big jump, and I, I think they can be in the mix in the top three now. So that's my feeling. i probably change three months from now, four months from now, but uh, that's the kind of way I look at it. But certainly down the road, the Clippers have guys. They, they've got such good guard play and a, and a much stronger bench than the Lakers have. So Lakers stay healthy, stay out of foul trouble. LeBron and AD are going to be a handful to deal with. They're going to get a lot of people in foul trouble. And I'm just not seeing anybody in that Clipper team that can defend the size and girth and the, the, big, the bigs with the Lakers. So what do you think of the Jazz's additions? And obviously they got Bogdanovich and Conley, but I'm talking about um, Moutier and Jeff Green. Yeah, I, I, I really like it. I mean, it just it gives them depth. And I think Conley will – I mean, obviously, Mitchell has proven to really rise to become a superstar in this league as a young player. But Conley is – he's the foundation of that team. And he he's going to lead that team. And then I love Bogdanovich. I love the fact that he can stretch. And, you know, you, you've got guys now that can shoot the ball everywhere. Gobert in that ball screen action and the things that that – Quinn are doing offensively, the floor is open. And then I think Favors has a chance to play, you know, where where he is most comfortable from 10 to 12 to 15 feet or inside. I'm really glad they actually kept him because I know he wanted to be there. And I think that that staff and the organization saw his value. But, yeah, adding a couple more shooters, um, I I like the Jazz. I, I, I think that uh, they, they're now equipped to beat Houston. And, 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 and I don't think we need to forget Houston because that whole team's coming back. And I'm probably pretty motivated as well. But, I, again, today if I'm picking, I, I like the Jazz at the three spot, Houston at the four, and Denver at the five. And Denver was really good last year. But I just think they have a hard time when the system doesn't create a shot for them to, to create. They don't have a lot of guys on that team that can create their own shots. Steve Cleveland joining us here. So, Steve, there's been a lot a lot of talk in the media analyzing all of this, breaking it down, discussing our amazement, trying to figure out where this is going. But we all know the media doesn't know. You're an ex-coach. You're not really the media, Steve. Even though you're on the radio every week, you're not coaching a team right now. Tell us what we're missing because we must be missing stuff. It must be stuff we're talking about and we're not seeing it. In terms, in, in, in terms of where this is, how this is all going to play and, out, or in terms of how all these kinds of things happen. Everything that we are trying to predict in the West. I mean, you got the full field here to correct anything we're missing on. Well, I, my, I'll tell you, first of all, an impression that I had, and I, I've heard it talked about recently a little bit, is how this, lane, how this league is changing. And what's happened in the West is a pretty, I mean, it's almost like you're looking at this thing and looking like, okay, it's, we've always known this as a player's league. We, we see former players now, you know, the, a lot of the former players are coaches in this league. And, uh, and, and, and it's kind of evolved to a point where you're looking at management and obviously dollars speak and you got to have great general managers and all this and that. But, it, I mean, the players are the power brokers here. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these moves are being made, uh, I'm sure, with the kind of the support of, of, of general managers and administrative groups. But at the end of the day, I just I'm amazed at 
how 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 much power the players have in this league to, to pull off some of the things that they've pulled off and what they're doing and putting their own teams together, you know, so to speak. I mean, it's like they're they're the recruiters, they're the ones that have the relationships. So in that in that uh, perspective, I think that the the league is changing. I mean, we didn't see this five, ten years ago where guys pick the teams they're going to go and pick the players they're going to have. You know, that's kind of was always done by management. And now the players are much – I'm not saying that the, the manager's not still heavily involved in this. All I'm saying is that the players have a more significant role in terms of who their teammates are going to be and the teams that are going to be developed. As far as what we're missing, <clears throat> I just I just think for the first time in a long time, there is more parity than there has ever been. I mean, you've had a team dominate this league for five years. And, and even when they didn't win a championship, they had opportunities too. And it was just injuries for the most part that stopped them from winning those championships. So the thing I'm seeing from this is that we don't have a, a dominant team. We don't have a Golden State Warriors team. That, that, that doesn't exist right now. What we have is we have great parity. Doing it, every one of these teams is going to do it in a different way. And really when it comes down to it, just like this year, if KD – and Clay Thompson don't get hurt, Golden State Warriors have, have, have won another NBA championship. So the teams that can stay the healthiest, the teams that can have depth at the end of the year, those kinds of things are going to – because there's plenty of talent from one to six or seven in the West, and goodness, in the East you've got four or five teams that are all really talented. It's going to come down to attrition and who can keep everybody healthy and manage their – their load of minutes and doing all those things so that at the end you're playing your best basketball. So that, that's what I see, the parity piece uh, and how you keep your team healthy so that at the end when the, the most meaningful games of the year at the end is when you are healthy and ready to go. That lends itself to teams that with more depth, which could be an advantage to the Clippers, where you don't – I mean – Kawhi Leonard's load management, that's not going to change. He's not going to play every game for the Clippers, I promise you. But the, the great thing is he's got a Paul George who can play extended minutes if he stays healthy to fill that gap, and the Clippers do have more depth. I mean, probably the Clippers and the Jazz and the Houston have the depth that the Lakers don't have. So that'll be the Lakers' biggest challenge. Those are some of the things I see. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Join us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Steve, thanks for checking in, and we will talk to you again. All right. See you guys. Bye-bye.